My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I hope you are having a wonderful November and uh, Thanksgiving is coming up. We're excited about Thanksgiving. Um, it's a wonderful time to think about all the things that we are thankful for. And of course, you know this, you don't have to wait <laughs> till November 24th, 24th or 25th, 25th. I'm sorry. You don't have, I'm thinking of Christmas Eve. You don't have to wait till November 25th to be thankful. Praise God. And if you are waiting till then, well, your life's probably not very great. But uh, it is a special time that that we uh, emphasize the giving of thanks. And and the Lord has been talking to me a lot about that that subject. And I have some things in my heart about it. But today, that's not so much the direction we're going to go. At least I don't think it is. Uh, It may come up. Uh, But I believe the Lord put something else on my heart. And uh, I'm excited about it. And uh, I released a Verity Vitamins called No Metal for Meddling. <laughs> and I talked about um, not getting involved and entangled in situations that are none of your business. And that was kind of the preheating the oven, if you will, for this, uh, this podcast. And the title, as you can see, is Occupied or Preoccupied. And I'm excited to get into this today. Let me pray and we'll start. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to dig into the Holy Word of God. And I thank you for the treasure that's found in there, Father, for our lives. Lord, I thank you that the Bible is so relevant to us. And anybody who ever thought that it wasn't relevant just doesn't know how alive it is. And Father, I thank you for the living and acting Word of God that speaks directly to us in our situations and helps us to hear your voice, Father God, to to discern your leading, to equip us for the days to come, Father, for the tests, for the attacks of the enemy, and, and also to be strong in faith and expectation for the future, Father. And I just pray that you would help me to minister the good word of God to everybody who has clicked play today. And I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Well, in the beginning of this podcast, I want to define the term preoccupied. And the term preoccupied means to be engrossed in thought or distracted. It also means to be lost in thought or absorbed. And it also can mean to seize beforehand. I want to emphasize that to you here in the beginning. I'm going to read a scripture in just a moment. But to be preoccupied has to do with seizing something beforehand. Uh, What you could say is before the time. Preoccupied. Or uh, there's a picture of a reservation. You know, reserving a seat for a future date. Reserving a restaurant for a future time. It's a pre-reservation, a pre-occupation. In other words, this space is occupied, so there's no space for anything else. In Matthew chapter 6, we see a picture of this. 
starting in about verse 22, he said, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. Amen. But if your eye be evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. So to be single in your eye, what, what is that talking about? This is what you're looking at. This is what you're beholding. Not being double in your vision. Not being double in what you're looking at, what you're seeing. Not being double-minded. Not being back and forth. Single eye, single vision is what he's talking about. And he said, if that's the case, you're going to have light. Amen. He, he, he talks about no man can serve two masters. And he said, therefore, I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you will eat or drink or what you will put on your body. Is not life more than meat and the body more than clothing? Behold the birds of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why do you take thought for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Take, therefore, no thought for tomorrow. That's the seizing beforehand. Take no thought. He's talking about don't take thought about tomorrow. What's he saying? Don't seize the thoughts and the worries of tomorrow beforehand. Now, you know that he's not saying it's wrong to make plans. He's talking about anxiety and worry about where's our food going to come from? Where's our provision going to come from? And he's saying, don't seize that beforehand because you don't have grace for tomorrow today. And if you try to take thought about that right now, it's going to become a burden to you. Again, he's not saying it's wrong to plan things out, but the the care of it, the concern of it, it'll become a weight to you. And he's painting a picture of seizing something, taking something on prematurely. And because you're doing that, it's causing you to worry. It's causing you to be weighed down. And the implication is it's hindering you from seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And this is what it means to be preoccupied. He's talking about being preoccupied in your mind, in your thought life. So today I want to talk about, are you occupied or are you preoccupied? If you're preoccupied, there's no space for God's kingdom to occupy. I'm going to say that again. If you're preoccupied with something else, 
there's no space for God's kingdom to occupy. Let me read another scripture to you. Um, In Luke 19, verse 12, we'll read a few verses here. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, your pound has gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well done, you good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. Have authority over ten cities. Now, real quick, why is this promotion happening? It's happening because he was faithful with what he was given. Do you see that? This is happening because this man was faithful in what was entrusted to him. He was faithful in the thing that God gave to him. But then the last servant said this, Here is your pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared you, because you are an austere man or a hard man. You take up what you don't lay down, and you reap what you don't sow. And he said unto him, Out of your own mouth will I judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, taking up what I laid not down, and reaping what I did not sow. Wherefore you gave not my money into the bank, that at my coming I may have required my own with interest. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that has ten pounds. What I want to point out to you in this is that they were entrusted with a specific assignment, and they were judged on whether or not they fulfilled that assignment. Do you see that? This servant was judged because he didn't multiply what he was given. And he had a specific thing that was entrusted to him. He had a specific assignment, and that's what his master expected him to develop. And what happens a lot of times is people don't develop what God gives them because they're distracted with other things. They're distracted with everything that's happening in the world, all the worries, all the concerns. They're distracted with what's happening with other people. They are consumed and distracted by lust, the Bible talks about, or the cares of this life and the lust of other things. And they don't develop what God has given them. They don't develop the seed that is planted. And it doesn't produce in their life. And then they wonder, why isn't this producing in my life? And so much of this happens because people are preoccupied rather than occupied. Look at this in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 9 and 10. It says, What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He said, what profit has a worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. In other words, if you're laboring in something that is not your God-given task, it's not going to profit you. 
If you're laboring in something that is not what God has assigned you to do, it's not going to prosper, and it's going to be a burden, and it's going to be a weight, and it's not going to profit you. It's not going to multiply. And the Bible talks about in Psalm 16 that sorrow is multiplied to those who hasten after another god, but actually that word God is actually added by the translators. It really just says hastens after another. And if you if you study that word hasten, it literally means to give gifts to. In other words, if you're giving your gifts to something else, sorrow is going to be multiplied to you. Toil is going to be multiplied to you. But the Bible talks about how the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Amen. Look at this in Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 3. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, watch this, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. See, why would you become weary and discouraged? Because you're not looking at Jesus and you're not laying aside the weight and the sin. If you're not keeping your eyes on Jesus, and if you're not laying aside the weight, what's the result going to be? You're going to become weary, and you're going to become discouraged in your soul. Do you see that? Look at this in uh, 2 Timothy. I talked about this in last week's podcast, but it says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. He said, you don't get entangled with the affairs of this life so that you can please the one who enlisted you. Do you see that? What might be an entanglement? (laughs) Maybe trying to please other people rather than the one who enlisted you. Is that any reason why someone might get entangled with other things? distracted, burdened, weighed down. Why? Trying to please people, trying to satisfy people. And so many times, people can be very hard, if not impossible, to satisfy. And so if that's the case, I'm not going to be satisfied because they're not satisfied and God's not satisfied because I'm not doing what God told me to do. But what did Jesus say? He said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. In other words, my food, my satisfaction comes from knowing I've done the will of the Father, knowing that I've pleased the one who enlisted me. Amen. We're going to talk more about satisfaction next week. But let me read this to you in Luke 21, verse 34. I've read it before, but it said, Take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. That has to do with being gluttonous or being hungover from too much indulgence of the flesh and drunkenness and cares of this life. 
so that that day doesn't come upon you unaware. So here's the question I want to ask you again. Are you occupied or are you preoccupied? What does it mean for your heart to be overcharged? In other words, my heart is completely occupied with other things, the cares of this life, the worries of this life, uh, lust or envy or covetousness, things that shouldn't be there, and they're taking up all the space, so there's no space for anything else. My heart's being overcharged. Have you ever overcharged your account before? Have you ever gotten an overdraft on your account? Don't raise your hand. You know what I mean by that? Have you ever uh, gone over your credit limit on your credit card? What is that? That's a picture of something being overcharged. What is that? That all the space is filled up and there's no room for anything else. In other words, I, I can't put anything else on there because all the space is occupied with things that shouldn't be there. This is, this is a picture of a house that is so full of stuff that people can't even move. Overcharged, overburdened. And the question that we're asking today in this podcast is, are you occupied with what God has assigned you to do? Or are you preoccupied with other things? And I'm not trying to beat you up this, this morning or this evening whenever this is coming to you. I'm not yelling at you. I love you. God loves you. Everything's okay. Let's just sit back and have a good time in the Word of God. Amen. I need to hear this as much as you do. But Matthew five fourteen says this, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, let me ask you this. Does a street light light up the whole street? No. It lights up the area that it's in. He said a city that is set on a hill and a lampstand. What is a lampstand? A lampstand is a stationary pole that you set a lamp on and it shines in that area. Well, God has called each one of us to be a light. And here's the thing. We live in a dark world and there are many evil and wrong things happening in the dark. A lot of evil things. And let me ask you this. Are you going to single-handedly light up all of the darkness? No. That's why you have a lampstand. You have an area that you're called to light up. Now, I, I know people will say, well, no, Ben, the Bible tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel and to be a light. And that's true. That's what Jesus said. But can you go everywhere at once? No. <laughs> can you go to every nation at once? No. So if a light is traveling, is it lighting up everything? No. If you bring a flashlight into a dark cave, is it lighting up everything? No. It's lighting up where you go. So if we're called to be a light, if we're called to be a lampstand, a city set on a hill, there is an area that we are called to illuminate with the light of God that's on the inside of us. Listen to this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. It said, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. What's he talking about here? 
he's talking about the unfruitful works of darkness. He said it's shameful to talk about, to to uh, speak about the things that they do in secret. To and I think the implication is to emphasize it, to describe it. He said that's shameful. Why? Because it's ungodly, it's unclean, and when you talk about something too much, you paint a picture of it in somebody's mind, and when you do that, it begins to form in their mind, and that's not something that we should have formed in our mind. Now, I'm not saying that there's never a time to talk about things that are going on, and I don't think that's what the Bible's saying, but the Bible is saying something, and we need to find out what that is, is it not? Let's read it again. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. We got to be careful about letting our mind be consumed with evil things that people are doing. Now, I didn't say we weren't aware for the sake of helping people or for the sake of praying and things of that nature. But at the same time, you got to be careful about where you get your prayer assignments from. You don't need to be getting your prayer assignments from news programs. Uh, now, I'm not saying the Lord couldn't use something to prompt you to pray, but ultimately, you need to be led by the Spirit. And you can pray in the Holy Spirit about things that your mind doesn't even know about. And that's a whole other podcast. We won't get into that right now. But you got to be careful what's consuming your mind and what you're always talking about. Let me read another scripture to you. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members are, are that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now, watch this. God has set. Somebody say, God has set. The members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. What did we read earlier? Don't get entangled with the affairs of life that you may please the one who enlisted you. And we also read, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And now he's talking about where God has set you in the body of Christ and that it pleases him for you to be there. Do you see that? That you may please him. Again, we're not talking about people who are immobile, but this is an area of assignment, a post, a place we are called to be a light in the darkness. Now, this can be a physical place, but it has more to do with the anointing and the grace that's on your life and the area that you are called into, the area that there's a grace on your life. And here's the thing we got to watch out for. He said that everybody has been set in the body as God has pleased them. And he talks about people looking at the eye and saying, I mean, 
you know, if, if I was like the eye, then I would be this or that, or, or if I was like the hand. But he said, listen, God has set you in the body as it pleased him, and don't think that you're less important. Why is he saying that? Because there's people who will look at other people who are doing certain things for God, and they'll think, that's what I should be doing. And that's how you really serve God. And if I was really on fire for God, and if I was really committed to God, then that's what I would be doing. Do you see this? If I was really sold out for God, then I'd sell everything that I have, and I'd move to Africa, and I would be a missionary in Africa. Well, that's what you would do if you were called to be a missionary in Africa. And that means there would be a grace on your life to be a missionary in Africa. But is that where God has set you? Now, could it be that some people have been preoccupied with trying to do something that they thought was the thing to do, but in reality it was not their grace, it was not their calling, it's not where God set them. And it was a weight to them, it was a burden to them, and in some cases, it put them at the wrong place at the wrong time, and something bad happened. See, this is what we're talking about today. Are you occupied or preoccupied? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Because here's the thing. The enemy can try to weigh you down with the worry and the care of everything that's happening in the world. But can you fix and change all of the evil and dark things that are happening in the world. No. What did, what did he say in Matthew 6? You can't even add one cubit to your stature through worry. So can you fix the hunger problem through worry? No. Can you fix uh, the human trafficking industry by worry? No. Can you fix all the disease and, and sickness in the world? By worry. Can you fix people not being saved by worrying about it? No. What do you need to do in order to please the one who enlisted you? You need to find out where he set you in the body, and you need to operate in that grace and in that anointing. That's the thing that's going to please the one that enlisted you. That's the thing that when the master returns, he's going to ask you about. He's not going to ask you whether or not you fixed the whole world, he's going to say, what did you do with the thing I gave you? What did you do with the thing I called you to do? See, the enemy is tricky, and he will try to weigh people down with everything that's happening in the world. And I'm not talking about being unaware or putting your head in the sand, but listen, a lot of times people say that, and they say, well, you don't want to put your head in the sand, but this is what I felt like the Lord said to me about that. He said, Ben, it's not about putting your head in the sand. It's about keeping your eyes on me. What did he say in Isaiah 26? He'll keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but see, you got to watch out about this, because some people will try to guilt you into being full of care about everything that's happening in the world. And that's not right. That's actually pride. Well, uh, let me keep moving here. We'll get more into that here in a second. But let me, let me read another scripture to you, and we'll get more into that. Ephesians 4, 7 says this, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. According to the measure. 
of Christ's gift. What is Christ? The anointed one and his anointing. And grace has been given to me according to the measure of the gift. In other words, there has been given to me a measure of the anointing. And this has to do with where I have been set in the body of Christ. Now, again, what did Jesus say? Don't be overcharged in your heart. In other words, don't go over the grace limit. Do you see that? Don't go over the measure of grace on your life. Because if you do, you're going to get weighed down, you're going to get burdened, and you're not going to end up multiplying what God gave you. You're preoccupied rather than occupied. And, And here's the thing. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, I can do everything I'm anointed to do. This does not mean that I can use Christ's strength to accomplish anything I want to do. This means I am empowered to do everything he has graced and anointed me to do. That's what that verse means. And, you know, I'll get more into this in a second, but you got to be careful about looking at other people and thinking that's the thing to do. That's what it means to serve God. You know, I had the honor and the privilege of having a very brief conversation uh, with a man I respect a lot, someone I would consider my father in the faith, Brother Keith Moore. We were at an event called The Fall Social, and this is usually a time where we know we may have an opportunity to get to talk to him a little bit. They're walking around. And uh, me and, and my girlfriend and another friend of mine, uh, we had an opportunity to just speak to him for a few minutes. And uh, my friend Elijah Merle asked him, he said, what would you advise um, you know, people our age who are in ministry? And you know, he, he's, he's paused for a long time, and he didn't say anything. And this is something I appreciate about him. And he said, the big thing is faithfulness. And he talked about how one time he was serving Brother Kenneth Hagin, and he was holding his jacket for him when he, while he went on stage. And the Lord spoke to his heart and said, Keith, if I came back right now, you'd be doing exactly what I called you to do. And that blessed him. That blessed me. Because so many people think in order to be on fire for God, and in order to do this, in order to do that, I've got to go and do all this stuff. That's true if that's what he called you to do. And again, God's not going to lead you to go do a bunch of stuff if you haven't been faithful. I'm going to say that again. God's not going to lead you to go do a bunch of stuff. He's not going to entrust a bunch of stuff to you if you haven't been faithful with the little that he's given you. Do you see that? And that may or may not be what you're called to do. But I need to find out what I'm called to do. I need to find out the measure of grace on my life, and I need to operate within that. Do you see that? And if I'm not at this other place of greatness like somebody else, I am the safest. And I am, when I say the safest, I don't mean naturally or natural comfort. I mean safe in regards to when he comes back. (laughs) Safe, and and I don't even mean I'm in danger of being judged by him in the sense of, of being judged eternally, but but wanting to please him and wanting to be found faithful, 
with what he's entrusted to me, the thing that's going to keep me safe is doing what I know to do. What did James say? Don't be someone who says, okay, we're going to go here next year and do this and do that. He said, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. He said, him who knows to do good and does it not to him it is sin. In other words, what are you anointed to do? What do you know to do? What do you know you are to be occupied with? And don't get distracted with other things. Because that's what he's going to want to know about. That's what he's going to ask you about when he comes back. John 11, verse 6 says, So when Jesus had heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. You know, uh, Jesus only did what he saw his father do. We see this with the man at the pool of Bethesda. And there were many sick people there. But he only went in and healed one. Was that because it wasn't God's will to heal the other people? No, because we see other examples of everybody coming to him and he healed them all. But notice the difference. They all came to him. That means they were expecting. There's faith involved. And you got to be careful about just charging in somewhere and saying, oh, I'm going to heal you. What if they don't believe in that? What if they don't want that? Well, the Lord could do some things in that situation, but you need to be led. You need to inquire of the Lord. You're not going to just walk into a hospital and clean it out because it's not just dependent on you. Well, that's okay. Well, uh, Jesus said, then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go, that I may wake him up. Now, let me point this out to you. What is walking in darkness? Walking in darkness is getting away from the light. If you're in the light, if you're with the light, you can see. And if you're in the dark, it's because the light went out or you went away from the light. You know, I talked about this recently about that pillar of fire by night that led the Israelites and how that correlates to us following Jesus. See, if you have light in an area, if you have Light that says, I'm supposed to be doing this, I'm supposed to be occupied with this, but you leave that. If you get distracted by other things, then you're not going to be walking in the light. You're not going to be walking in the day, and it's just a matter of time until you stumble. Why? Because you're not walking in the light. Do you see that? And he said, I'm going to wake Lazarus up. If you're not walking in the light, You can't bring other people to the light. If I'm not walking in the light, how am I going to shine light for other people to see? Do you see that? Amen. You know, there's a lot happening in this world. And I need to find out what I'm called to do and what I'm to be occupied with and where I'm called to be a light. Because here's the thing. If I don't do that, I can become preoccupied and weighed down trying to fix everything that's in the world. Do you see that? And the truth is, there's a measure of grace on my life. 
And I can do all things through the anointing which strengthens me. But in order to make any change in the world, in order to make an impact in the world, in order to be a light in the world, I have to follow the light, which is Jesus. And I have to only do what he has anointed me to do and what I see my father do. Now, this is not what everybody believes. This is not what everybody thinks. But it's the truth. And uh, in Luke 4.25, Jesus says this, But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. And there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them, somebody say none of them, was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha and the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. What do we see here? That Jesus is talking about there is a lot of people who were hungry, and yet God sent Elijah to one of them. Was that because it wasn't God's will to help the other people? No. But there's a difference between who God wants to help and who he has access to help. And besides that, it's not even a matter of whether or not God helped them. He may have sent somebody else to help them. But the point of this was that Elijah was only told to go to one of them. Do you see what I'm saying here? Elijah was instructed to go to one of them. And so if Elijah had tried to help all the widows in that land, would there have been an anointing? And a grace to do that. No, because that's not what the Lord told him to do. And this is something we got to watch out about. Is judging other people because they're not doing what we're called to do or what we're doing. Um, You know, sometimes people can be somewhere and they can see the need and they can see the hurt and it tugs at their heart. And they have such a heart for that. And that's one of the evidences that it's a grace on their life, is that they have such a love and a compassion that's directing them toward that specifically. And, you know, there are some people who are called to financially support people like that. And they're not to go there themselves. But sometimes if somebody's over there and they're around it and they see it, they can take on too much of it. And then they can look at other people and they say, uh, you know, they're, they're not real, real Christians. They're, they're just spoiled. And they can start judging and criticizing other people. Why? Because they don't know what's happening over here. And they don't see all this. And they should be doing more. They should be over here doing more. Really? Really? Should they be? What if God hasn't set them in that part of the body? See, here's the thing. you got to watch out about judging. You know, you can do this on the side of thinking, I'm not doing enough. I'm not important because I'm not doing what they're doing. And then on the other side, people can judge other Christians because of what they're not going through. I I came across something today, 
And it was people comparing Christians in other countries to Christians in America. And they were showing, you know, clips of people who have been persecuted and hurt. And that's awful. And the Bible talks about not forgetting them. But then they showed a clip of some churches in America. And the implication was being critical and um, judgmental toward American Christians. That they're, we're a bunch of pansies and we just don't, you know, uh, know what, what it means to be a Christian. Well... In some cases, there may be some truth in that. And there's a lot of people who, if, if we experience some heavy-duty persecution, we'd have a rude awakening. But at the same time, you got to remember that the one who's persecuting those Christians is the devil. And besides that, is it God's will for all of the Christians in America to be over there experiencing that? And you got to watch out about this judgmental thing of they should be doing this or they should be experiencing this. Well, I mean, it's not God's will for anybody to be going through that necessarily, but he did say all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus would suffer persecution in one way or the other. So the thing you got to watch out about is judging people because they're not doing this. This person's called to go to this country and be a part of this and do that. And if that's the case, then if God sent them there, then there's a measure of grace on their life to deal with that. But this is not a question of, of whether or not they are um, able to deal with something or not. This is a question of God's faithfulness. Is God faithful to them? Is God faithful to the Christians who are experiencing persecution? Now, I, I need to remember them and pray for them and lift them up to God and pray for their deliverance. But this guilt tripping, this shame toward people who are not going through something awful. Now, there is a truth in thankfulness and gratefulness that there's a revelation to be had in going other places and seeing what some other people are dealing with and how far-fetched it is from what we have dealt with and giving thanks. Father, thank you for our nation. Thank you that we live in a nation that was founded on godly principles. Therefore, we don't have to deal with what a lot of people have had to deal with. And Father, we pray for those who have been persecuted in other nations, and we just ask you to, to wrap them up in your presence and to deliver them from that situation. But giving thanks and shaming yourself are two totally different things, or letting somebody else shame you. Now again, Jesus said, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And yet, there's a grace that sustains you in the middle of it if you're where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing. And that's a, not a matter of thinking that one person's better than the other or not honoring somebody's sacrifice. It's acknowledging the faithfulness of God. It's saying, I'm not trying to make light of people's persecution. I'm not trying to make light of some of the awful things that people have experienced in this life, but it's acknowledging that God's faithful. And he does not allow us to go through something that we can't handle without giving us a way of escape. If it is something that's too much for us, he provides a way of escape. Why? Because God is faithful. That's what the word says. Amen.
I'm almost done here. Mark 16, 15 through 20 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And watch this. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. Now, first of all, let me say this. He didn't say go into all the world and end the hunger. He didn't even say go into all the world and stop the suffering. Now, the gospel has the ability to end hunger and stop suffering. Praise God. But I'm told to preach the gospel. Now, we know that James says don't just say be warm to be filled and don't do anything. But the point of that is I'm not able to end all the suffering and hunger. Even if I bought every loaf of bread in the world and dispersed it, that's not going to end all the hunger. That's not going to end all the suffering. I'm not God. And I can't end all the suffering. And God hasn't done that. Why? Because Satan still has a lease on this earth and there's still a curse. Oh, but there's coming a time that God's going to put an end to all of it and he's going to establish his kingdom. Praise God. And that includes the suffering. That includes the abuse. That includes the evil and the sinful things that are happening on this earth. And the only way you're truly going to affect and impact this world is by operating in the anointing and the grace that's on your life. And there are people who are anointed and graced to go in and deal with some of those things, but that's not everybody. And listen, if God's grace isn't on you to do it, that means the Lord's not with you in it. So to say, oh, I need to be doing this is to actually judge God and say, Lord, you should have graced me to do this. Oh, really? No. <laughs> he has set you in the body as it has pleased him. That's what I need to operate in. And the way that I'm not going to stumble in this world is by walking in the light. Luke nine fifty nine through 60, uh, Jesus told one person, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now, he's got this obligation, this family obligation. Uh-oh. <laughs> and he's like, Lord, you know, if I don't do this, then people are going to think bad of me, and they're going to think I don't care. And, you know, this is just the right thing to do. I don't need to be led about this. It's just the right thing to do. Watch out for talk like that. Watch out for talk like that when it comes to evangelism. That's not true. You do need to be led. And somebody's saying, well, you don't need to be led about that. That's just the right thing to do. That's not true. You do need to be led. You always need to be led. There are some things that are traps that look like something that they're not, and they're a trap. You do need to be led. <laughs> and the Lord knows, and the Lord will lead you to 
by the anointing that's on your life, by the grace that's on your life, preach the word, uh, minister to people, feed the hungry, do what you can do, but that's not everything. What I'm talking about in this is you operating in what God has called you to do. I'm not talking about you being passive or lazy or selfish or ignoring need or any of that. I'm talking about you finding out what you're assigned to do because you can't do it all. And if you can't do it all, you need to find out what you can do and what you're called to do. Do you see that? Am I making my heart clear on this? Amen. I'm almost done here. Isaiah 61, uh, talking about Jesus, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. What did Jesus do on the earth? He did what he was anointed to do. Do you see that? Jesus did on the earth what he was anointed to do. So I need to find out what I'm anointed to do. You need to find out what you're anointed to do. I said this in the last podcast last week, but or a couple weeks ago now, actually. Uh, we're the salt of the earth, and we're called to preserve. Now, what's another word for preserve? Occupy. Occupy. I talked about that in the beginning. To reserve or preserve is to occupy. But the only way we're going to successfully occupy is by doing what we're anointed to do and not becoming preoccupied with other things. Again, in Isaiah 26, he said, if you, uh, he said, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. How do I know if I'm getting away from the grace and the anointing that's on my life? How do I know if I'm getting off track? It's going to be evidenced in my lack of peace. I'm becoming weighed down and overcharged in my heart not at peace. You know, Daniel lived through four kingdoms rising and falling, and he just kept praying, and he kept being faithful, and he kept doing what he was anointed to do. Amen. Do you remember the story of Mary and Martha? I know you do. What did, what did the Bible say about Mary and Martha? Don't let that bother you. That's just Thomas the Train saying amen, although it was a little bit you know, out of, out of sync, but that's okay. Uh, Mary and Martha. Martha was careful and troubled about many things. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's receiving from Jesus. And Martha comes in and she says, Lord, tell my sister to help me. And he said, Martha, you are careful and you are troubled with many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Do you see that? Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. 
See, here's the thing. Martha was preoccupied. Mary was occupied. Do you see that? And what she had was not taken away from her. What did Jesus say in that parable? He said, take what he has and give it to the one who has. For he, to him who has, what he has will be taken away. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me say that again. To him who has, more will be given. But to him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. In other words, if you're not occupying, what you have is going to be taken away. If you're preoccupied, what you have is going to be taken away. But if you'll occupy with what God gave you, it will be multiplied and it won't be taken away from you. Come on, praise God. Do you see this? You know, Psalm 23 talks about how he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. You know, if I'm preoccupied with my enemies, I'll be distracted from the table. But if I'm occupied with what's on the table, I won't be concerned with my enemies. When I'm seated at the table, that's where the anointing is, and that's where the grace overflows. Now, I'm going to close here with this. A lot of people say, when they're experiencing hardship and they're experiencing trouble, they say, well, you know, this is just the devil attacking me because of the anointing. You know, the anointing is so high on my life that this is just the devil attacking me, and that's why I'm having so much trouble. <laughs> well, it's true that the enemy targets people who are walking in the anointing. But the Bible did not say that the devil goes about seeking whom he wants to devour. It said he goes about seeking whom he may devour. Now, we see that Satan tempted Jesus as soon as he was anointed. And yet, Jesus didn't struggle resisting Satan's temptation. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. And the third time he said, Satan, get out of here. And Satan left. Now, here's something I want to point out to you. Anointing represents oil. That's what David just said. You anoint my head with oil. Oil makes things flow. Oil makes things easier, you could say. And I'm here to tell you today that the higher the anointing, the easier things will be. Even if you have more enemies surrounding you than you've ever had, what did David say? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Don't buy into this thing that oh, if everything's harder than it's ever been, it's because of the anointing. No, demons hate the anointing. And if the anointing is increasing on your life, it means there's more of a flow. <laughs> and if I'm operating in more of the anointing, it's because I was faithful with the anointing that he gave me. And it multiplied. And that's why it increased. And that means even if my enemies increase, the table just got bigger. Oh, come on. The anointing increased. And that means things are going to go smoother and easier. I've been given a higher measure of grace. And grace makes even hard things seem easy. Do you see that? 
Now, I'm not trying to be unrealistic in this and say there's no suffering in the flesh. And I'm not trying to come to you as some spoiled American Christian who's never experienced any hardship. Listen, I'm endeavoring to minister the word to you. And this isn't about what I've experienced or not experienced. This has to do with the faithfulness of your God. This has to do with the character of your God. He said, I will not leave unless I give you a helper. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a helper, and he is not going to leave us on our own. The only reason we stumble and struggle is because we get away from him. I'm not saying that you're not going to have any battles or problems in this life. No, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but listen, if you are with God, if you are doing what he's called you to do, if you're operating within that grace that's on your life, you're going to have grace to deal with it. You're going to have an anointing to face that battle because God is faithful. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I know I went long in this podcast, but I believe it was worth it. This has been the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I hope you got something out of this today, and I'll talk to you the next time you click. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you. He loves everyone else. And please don't forget to feed the ducks.